Welcome back to another horrendous episode of the Burning Eden Podcast. I'm Mel, your favorite big titty heathen. And I'm Matt, your suave, smooth, spicy Satanist. Uh, Mel, we have to be somewhat professional with today's guest. So we can't talk about butt stuff at all? We don't talk about butt stuff. No, 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 no. Well, you know what? Have fun with the show. I'm leaving. It was not nice knowing you. Okay, okay, okay. fine, 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 fine. Maybe just a tip. <laughs> listen, listen, I'm fine with just the tip. It's it's fine. <laughs> Let's hope you don't get shafted. Get it? It's a pun. <laughs> Because you love us. Beth, you are my 13th reason. A 13th reason to get shafted? No. <laughs> um, well, good luck with that. Uh, anyway, on today's show, we have the honor and privilege of speaking with the president of American Atheist, Nick Fish. Hello, oh Nick. <laughs> what is up? I'm glad, I'm glad you guys are keeping it super professional. For yeah, super professional. We tried for like very, a second. Yeah. No, I mean, you know, listen, it's, it's an all-time record, so I'm going to take it. Uh, <laughs> We're trying our best. Yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. The bar is low. There's no bar. There's no know. bar. I mean, there's no bar. <laughs> wait, there's no bar? Well, there's I, no bar. I was promised a bar <laughs> this, <laughs> for this podcast. What's going on? <laughs> it is, it's Monday. <laughs> this is true. Monday, it's, it's you know it, it's a drinking it, it, it's it's bar o'clock. We need to start drinking on the show. It's I think hard. I think I'm gonna develop a drinking podcast. <laughs> a drinking podcast. A a drinking drink podcast am a, I the reason why you want to feel like you want to drink now? Yes, a little bit, a little oh, bit. Oh my god. <laughs> That's that's how you know it's a true friendship. Yes, <laughs> yes. And honestly, say that yours you drive each other to drink. Yeah, yeah, yeah. All, all all my best friends. That's the reason. There you <laughs> go. <laughs> well, thank you so freaking much for being here with us yes. today. Happy to be here. Yeah, we, we're very excited. We got to meet you briefly. Uh, I shook your hand uh, in Atlanta, Georgia, at the ATS convention uh, in April. While we're all running since. around and and, yeah. not, and getting threatened by angry Christians that were storming our conference. That and, too. Oh yeah. my God. I was yeah. eating the shrimp in the VIP lounge. Well, like well, that happened. Yeah. I'm so mad. Uh, <laughs> I didn't disrupting, know. Disrupting our canapes and drinks. That's what I, I was doing. I was like, oh, this is so good. What the, <laughs> what's going on in the lounge? We're all over there trying to be classy and right. they storm, come storming in. <laughs> Ruining, ruining the an otherwise lovely evening. The old derbs. <laughs> yeah. That's Christian. That's Christians for you. They Literally. Can't just let a good evening be. They can't, you know, spicy tuna roll or the little Sp- little shrimp cups. Can't do it. No. Nope. Gotta come in and be jerks. Yeah. <laughs> They're just jealous that they all all they eat is crackers and That's, fucking yeah, they, fruit they, they punch. Get, yeah, crackers <laughs> and, and crappy red wine. Crappy wine. <laughs> they came in and they were like, "Where are the crackers?" Listen. Have what we're having here. Yeah. Oh my God. <laughs> God, I'm so mad. I missed that. Yeah. 
I really Sorry. literally didn't intend to miss it. I, I was told after the fact, like, what? What happened? Yeah. And then I saw the videos and it kind of made me mad that I wasn't there. God damn it. I'm, I'm glad I wasn't there because my anger issues would not have uh, <laughs> just, would just, not have ended well. <laughs> like we do we normally do pretty well. It's 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 usually not the case that we have angry, weird Christians storming our conferences. Mm. Uh occasionally there'll be like one and you know, they'll they'll want to have a debate and then they right. you know, they they say something really really absurd and then you know one of our board members says like five words to them and then they break down crying because they're not oh no what? i mean literally happened. i will pay to see that yeah oh, literally happened please. i mean this that's what actually happened this time is they came up they were talking to the folks at the black non-believers table mm -hmm. and they were like coming in with well something something slavery and the black non-believers folks were like listen let us tell you what's the what the deal is here and then they started crying because they're they're not they're not used to getting even the slightest pushback from anybody. I didn't know they cried. There was crying. Even what? Crying was involved. Crying was involved. Yeah. Fuck, man. Well, I'm disappointed they didn't come with the VIP experience that I right. You know. <laughs> well, so all, all I'm back. saying is, if you're listening, if you hear the sounds of my voice, you need to come to Phoenix next yes. year. Oh, 100%. For the 2023 conference. Yes. I can't promise that we will make Christians, including <laughs> in our event, cry. But if they do, we will. Try our damnedest. Uh, Fuck yeah. I, promise. yeah so. I think I unlocked my new kink here. Watch <laughs> <laughs> Christians cry. Kink this unlocked. My new kink. <laughs> oh my dear. I mean, it's good, it's good to find it. You know, yes. And, and it's harmless, good, harmless fun. You there know, you good, go. Good, good, clean fun. Nothing yes. wrong with that. Free country. You can do what you yep. want. Yep. 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 Tears can be used for lube. Just yep. saying. Just tears saying. Of, tears of Christians. Tears of Christians. Yes. yes. <laughs> I need. Tears of white evangelical Christians. I need the yes. one that says that on mm. the side, you know. So, oh Beth, well. you you pissed off a lot of the white men after after we got back. I on did Twitter. on Twitter. I yeah. did remember. Oh, yeah. oh shit! That was, People who weren't even there that were taking one a slot a photo of a slide completely out of context from Mendisa. had no Mendisa, idea yeah. what it was actually talking about. Yeah, but right. seemed to be extremely upset with the idea that entirely relying on academic credentialism as a way of deciding who has expertise on topics might exclude some people. Mm. Like I, I have a hard time understanding how that is in any way controversial, unless you're looking for a way for a reason to be offended, mm. which, and I thought we were the snowflakes. They're projecting. Yeah. It's, it's a giant, like, Always. you know, a hundred million candela projector right there yep. that uh, just so much projection that again, if, if they actually listen to it, they would they would know if they were actually there they would know what the heck was going on but they weren't and so they want to they want to throw stones that's fine yeah, yeah. that again, was fun. country we've got you know and we've got we, we got big, we got big shoulders we can we can take it you know if yep. they if, if they want to criticize that's fine yes but, you know it's well it's, just remember when a member of an oppressed group or minority is speaking out and talking about oppression how about you shut the fuck up and mm. you listen just, to what they have to say just for a second and maybe hear them out yeah and actually, like, hear them out rather yeah. than I'm going to create from whole cloth a thing that I think you said. And it's right. like, well, that's not what was said. Yeah. So, you know, I don't know what you're. I don't know what you're attacking here, but it's not what was actually said. But exactly. Everyone yeah. listening is like, what the hell are they talking about? Don't worry about it. Don't worry about <laughs> it. You had to be there, okay? You had, you had to, be to be there. there. <laughs> that's the whole point. You had to be All there. All the cool kids knew, <laughs> kind of. Mm -hmm. That's right. <laughs> Well, like, yeah, like, cool. like the context really quick was that Mandisa did a presentation. Mandisa Thomas, the president of Black Nonbelievers, she yeah, had a slide that mentioned uh, how we are upholding white supremacy in like the ten items yeah in the secular community and how we can work towards uh, 
combating those things, yep. right? Yeah. And that was a photo that was posted on Twitter, and then just, it, people just went off. And by people, I mean white Christian men, and also a lot of white secular men that, that was like, what the fuck? People who, again, <laughs> have, a, have a bone to pick, have an axe yeah. to grind. Yeah. Yeah. Fucking, what's his, da uh, oh. David Silverman? Dance? Form, former president. Former American yeah, atheist uh, president. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Ooh. <laughs> So, weirdly, he's not a fan. I, I don't. I don't know. Yeah. <laughs> well, you're a social justice warriors. Right. Ew. We don't yeah, want any of that shit. The the deep irony, of course, being you know that these are all things that we've been talking about for mm -hmm. the better part of the last decade. Yeah. These are all problems that we've been working to address in our community, and that anyone who spent any time in our community knows that these are things that we've acknowledged we need to do better on, mm -hmm. and we're working toward yep. doing it, and making sure that our community is welcoming to you know, uh, LGBTQ folks to, to, to black non-religious folks, to Latino and Hispanic yes. folks, to, to women, to non-binary, like this whole list of people that we mm -hmm. want to make sure that we're not excluding. Um, we want to make sure they're in the room and are, are being, are, 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 we're hearing them and that they're, they have an opportunity to see themselves reflected in this community as well. Love it. Um, and that we're representing the interests of our entire community, not just a, a very narrow interest right. of, people who, you know, maybe were here first or the people who are sometimes the loudest. We want to make sure everyone's being heard here. Like this isn't, it's not a zero sum game here. Mm -hmm. You know, right. it, just because we're not talking about you right this moment and maybe, you know, you had a dominant position previously, like that, it doesn't mean that we're pushing you out. It just means that we want everyone to see themselves in our community and that right. we want to be a better version of our community. Yeah. That's, that's how you build a strong, robust right. community that stands the test of time. We should be it's happy not that, that complicated. more people are, you know. Yeah. And, and we should, and, and we should want to do better every single day. Yeah. We should want to, you know, hold ourselves accountable and, and acknowledge that we're human. I mean, part of being an atheist, part of this whole thing is, um, we have to acknowledge that, you know, we can't just like ask for forgiveness into the mist and then it happens, right? <laughs> right we actually right. have to like work to make things better if we screw things up right. and that, you know, right. we, we can only be forgiven when somebody chooses to forgive us when we screw right. something up. I love and that's, that. And, and that's, yeah. And it, it requires action on our part. You know, there's, mm -hmm. there's no divine intervention coming. So we have to be the ones working toward it. And if we're not willing to do that, then like, what are we even doing here? You know? Right. And so that that's what, how we try to focus on it. We want our community yeah. to be welcoming. We want our community to actually reflect the people on the ground, the people who we serve. That That's a core part of who we are as American atheists. And if people are uncomfortable with that, they need to really, I think they really need to examine what it is that they have a, a concern about, what it is that they're, what are, what are you, what are you upset about here? Um, and, and again, try to give people the benefit of the doubt where if you don't understand something, maybe take a second and, and, and look at what actually is being said. Don't just invent a position to attack. That's, right. that's literally the definition of straw manning. Exactly. So, right. Don't do that. Right. And, <laughs> and we're all guilty of it from time to time. Cause we're all human. We're all fallible. Right. But right, like, right have a conversation and and twitter is not the place for that <laughs> it's entirely performative yeah you know, right. the, the, out, the outrage the outrage is yep. entirely about you know having an axe to grind rather than seeking right. understanding and and i think that's what that's 100 percent what mandisa was getting into mm -hmm. and what mandisa was doing and what we try to do every single time we have a person up on stage at our conference is to promote conversation and and, and have more understanding moving forward that's it and yeah. I'm sorry you weren't there and, you know, folks, some folks weren't there and, and chose to read into something that wasn't there, but that's their prerogative. You know, again, we've totally. got big shoulders here at American Atheist. We can take the criticism. Right. Um, 
and and you know it's no skin off my nose it's no skin off my my nose when somebody reads into something and makes stuff up to feel aggrieved right. like right. if somebody is ticked off that we did something <laughs> great like i i want to i want to address that i want to hear your right. concerns if you're ticked off about something that you invented completely I don't know what to tell you. Yeah, right. tell you <laughs> Fight with yourself? Yeah, I, mean, I guess. Like, like, <laughs> you know, mazel tov. I'm, I'm sorry you're upset. <laughs> Have a good rest of your day, I guess. Yeah, right. <laughs> oh, well. But before we actually get into those details, uh, we wanted to... <laughs> 15 minutes in. No, no, <laughs> no, we go into it. no, no, no. This is great, and I'm, I'm glad you, you addressed that. That's fantastic. But yeah, definitely. We'll come back to it uh, towards uh, the middle, but we want to get to this amazing segment that we like you know what time it is mel what time is it beth you know what it's time for the bible verse of the day <laughs> per tradition what? we would love the guest to read the bible verse of the day what do you I have to, for us today i have to say i love the jingle uh yes I, thank I, a big I, shout out to our friend blaine uh yes. vote it's fucking amazing yeah. so good. I, 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 honestly if my, if my life involved more jingles everything would be better but i anyways. want my own theme song god damn it i know it. I, I just need... walk out the door just I, right just so even game of thrones song theme right. song <laughs> would be amazing. yeah wiener yeah. wiener 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 god all right it. so i'm doing uh it's genesis 11 uh, 7 through 9 uh, yes. Sue okay. is come let us go down and confuse their language so they will not understand each other so the Lord scattered them from there all over the earth and they stopped building the city that is why it was called Babel because there the Lord confused the language of the whole world and there the Lord scattered them over the face of the whole earth Amen. Look yeah. at those humans working together. How no. dare they? Mm -mm 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 Stop it. Not today, Jesus. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> enough of that collaboration. How Let's dare confuse you. the hell out of everyone. Right. That is such a weird verse to me. I... <laughs> It's, it's a weird fucking story. Like the whole fucking Bible. What you say? It's a weird, but... it's a weird book. It's a weird <laughs> There's a whole lot in there. What are saying? You really <laughs> just. What, what reason could we give of there being a bunch of different languages? Right. I know God was upset that we were all working together, yep. so He just decided to screw it up. Yeah, that 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 does track for God, though. Not much of a lie. True, yes. you know. Very true. Kind well, that made a lot of sense. Thank you for reading that. Yes. That was amazing okay um okay so for those who don't know you um can you give us a little bit of your religious background i know you don't have too much but we would still love to know we, we, yeah. what your religious background what is was was hopefully and the road to uh the atheism where you are today S sneaky creeping in with current religious background yeah <laughs> right um <laughs> yeah um you know i think my experience uh with religion reflects a, a growing segment of our community of people who were just not particularly raised in any one religion that we you know you kind of get the cultural stuff you know the the cultural runoff of christianity of the the assumption of religion the assumption mm -hmm. of christianity um that you know you do christmas you do easter you do that sort of thing maybe you go to church once every so often but mm. you know i i can count on one hand the number of times that i went to church uh as a kid mm. um the, my, the primary exposure that i had to religion growing up was in the scouts uh, i'm actually an eagle scout um, nice. i was involved in scouts all through growing up uh, but I, my scout troop was chartered through the local, my, my elementary school. Right. And so it was pretty secular, all things considered. And it was stunning to me when I first learned that like a lot of people's 
uh, scout troops were chartered through churches and yep. the, like their experience in the scouts was very different from ours. Ours was like, let's go camping. Let's go shoot mm. bows and arrows and guns. Let's learn to tie knots. Okay. Right. We're going to play dodgeball now. Like that was it. And so when some, some kids like joined, joined my troop late in my scouting career uh, and we're like, Oh, who is your chaplain's aide? Would you guys say grace? And we were like, oh. are what? And do we the say, what? Huh? <laughs> yeah. I'm sorry, what? what are those things? We don't know. <laughs> We don't want to do that. We that would be exclusionary for people. You know, we're not all Christians here. You know, right. and so it it wasn't. It was never even considered. Like it was not. It was no big deal. And so that that always that always took me a little bit by surprise. But when I went to bigger sort of statewide or area wide events, people were like, "Oh, you're you're a leader in your troop. You know, you, you you're you're a good guy. Do you want to lead?" scout vespers which is what they would call the church mm. thing that was sort of mm. the interfaith you know whatever um okay. do you want to be in charge of that like you must know and i was like uh sure <laughs> i guess and and it's funny i re i just i remember this and i didn't like know the context of the time because i certainly didn't call myself an atheist when i was like 16 um mm. i i don't think i i don't think i called myself I, I maybe said that i i was agnostic or that i wasn't mm. sure I, I definitely said i wasn't religious though Okay. And they were always really careful about, oh, no, no, you don't have to be religious. You just have to believe in something bigger than yourself. It was like very mm. generic. Um, mm. And so I remember the first time they asked me to do that, to, to like lead that Scout Vespers, that, that religious-ish service, I, I picked a, uh, a quote to read, and it was something from Carl Sagan. And I had like, again, no that contacts is. at the time. Right. I did not know anything about this community. I didn't know anything about atheism, but it was like, oh, this really speaks to me. This, this is really cool. And, you know, and it was, it was something like, you know, uh, it, I think it, if I remember correctly, it was the, um, the, for, for such creatures as us, the loneliness is bearable only through love. Mm. I think it's from the, um, it's either from contact or it's from uh, the pale blue dot. Um, one of Carl Sagan's books mm -hmm. uh but it, like a, a really famous sagan quote mm -hmm. um and I, I chose that because it like it spoke to me as like as as, as as humanism um which again i didn't know the word for at the time right um that i'd never like my parents you know we just didn't do church it wasn't that they said oh we're gonna go to a a, a uu church or a, or a secular humanist thing or like that did not exist in rural michigan we did not have that <laughs> Gotcha. Uh, you know, it was mm -hmm. like you had the Episcopalian Church, the Catholic Church, the Methodist Church, the other Methodist Church, the other Methodist Church. You know, <laughs> it was like, that's what we had. It was not, oh, you can pick whatever. Not a thing. So, yeah, um, yeah that my background was mainly just like we would do Christmas and we never prayed. Um, and so I think that's an increasingly common thing, certainly among folks, you know, I, I, in in our generation. So like millennials, I think you guys are millennials, right? Yes. Um, yes. So uh, folks like us. That was that's not an uncommon experience, but it's also just one experience of people who join American atheists and who mm -hmm. are atheists. We have a ton of members who are former evangelicals, former, uh, you know, extremely conservative Catholics. We have different backgrounds, yeah. tons of different backgrounds. Mm -hmm. And so it's, it's important for me to acknowledge that I can't possibly speak to all those backgrounds that I can't right. like right. relay accurately what it's like to start there leave a community, leave behind stuff. Like, you know, a lot of people transitioning out of evangelical Christianity leave behind a lot. And mm -hmm. in terms of like yes. pay a huge, a huge social cost, pay mm -hmm. just a tremendous cost with their families. I didn't have that, you know? And so yeah. I always try to make sure that people understand that though my experience is 
not uncommon. It's certainly mm-hmm. not the only one out there. And we, we have to give a lot of space for people to, you know, have different experiences on their way out of religion mm-hmm. and provide kind of a soft landing for people who need that. Even if yeah. that wasn't my experience, I didn't come out of it going, Oh my gosh, I'm missing this huge thing in my life now because I didn't have it to begin with. Mm-hmm. Um, and so it's really important right. for us as community builders, as organizers to recognize the variety of experiences that people have and understand where people are coming from. Beautiful. Gotcha. Beautiful. So how did you become interested in activism and community organizing? Yeah. Um, so I worked on the 2008 presidential election um, after college. Oh. I worked in North Carolina. Um, we registered a bunch of voters and then we went and knocked on doors to go get the vote out. Uh, we ended up winning uh, in North nice. Carolina. I worked for um, an independent expenditure group that was working, sort of advocating for Barack Obama, Bev Perdue for governor and Kay Hagan, who was running for Senate. Um, and we won all three elections nice. um, and it was a really awesome experience. Uh, but it was just like, you know, you work like 120 hours a week. It was crazy. Oh you know, God. you're working like, yeah. you know, nine to five. No, LOL. We were working like <laughs> eight, eight to 11. I mean, it was like it was so many hours and we did it for months. And yeah. you basically had time to commute from your office to where you were staying, which was with a supporter in like a spare bedroom, basically. Mm. Wow. Collapse. Get up the next morning. Do it again. And yeah. you did that for three months, you know, Holy shit. Last push. <laughs> and so it, it was wild, you know, and like Sunday, you, you maybe didn't go to the office until nine and you <gasps> left at Ooh. nine instead of at 11. Yeah. <laughs> so it, was, it was like, okay, I only had to work 12 hours. Today. Awesome. <laughs> you know? And so, wow. Not even so, healthcare workers, man. That's, no, that's no, insane. I know. It's, I, I, yeah. Wow. I, I, you, you can only do it for short little sprints. Um, but so I did that and I, I was looking around at policy issues that I was passionate about. I was passionate about, you know, LGBTQ rights. I was passionate mm. about ab- abortion and repro access. I was passionate about healthcare access. I was passionate about the environment, uh, about public schools, about, you know, all these issues. And it was like, what's a common thread that's running through all of this? And at the time, my, my formative political years, the first time I got to vote was in 2004 um, okay. and for the presidential election. And that mm. was the year that like every state had an anti-gay marriage ballot measure mm-hmm. on the constitutional amendments banning gay marriage. The Bush campaign like explicitly used that to, tr- to drive up uh, voter turnout in swing states as a, as a way to like sort of try to get Bush over the, over the hump. Um, it was a conscious political decision on their part. Um, and so, you know, I saw how religion was being weaponized against people like me, against mm-hmm. people that I cared about, against, you know, this whole range of people. And it was like, okay, there's got to be somebody who's pushing back on this, that we can't just be attacking each issue piecemeal. We really need to get to the root here. Right. Um, and it just so happened at the time that there was a, a job posting uh, from the Secular Coalition for America. Oh. Uh, and I applied and got the job. And so I moved from Austin, Texas to Washington, D.C. to work for them in 2011. Wow. Oh, wow. Um, I moved, I loaded, I sold everything I owned except for like two suitcases, a TV and my computer. Um, crazy and and loaded everything into my buick regal and drove up <laughs> to washington dc in like a, in like two days it's a 26 hour drive Holy I did shit. It in two days uh got to dc started work on tuesday i think monday was a holiday started work on oh tuesday and so yeah it was wild and i you know never nobody ever thinks they're going to get involved in something like this right. um that's it's never this this was not one of the options in career day when i was in high school <laughs> Um, <laughs> professional atheist was not on the list. Right. Professional <laughs> atheist. I mean, like literally, there's like fewer than 50 of us in the country, right? And so, not not high on the list, right? right. Um, 
but so, you know, so I, I worked with the SCA for about a year and a half, two years, and then I started working with American Atheists almost 10 years ago now. Wow. Um, and yeah, I know, right? And uh, became president in 2018, about almost four years ago, um, four okay. years ago this next month, I think. Um, and so, you know, getting into it is a question of just like finding an opportunity and it sounded awesome and sounded <laughs> like it fit my values and so much of working in the nonprofit world and working mm -hmm. in politics is all about values and, 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 and where you can find those values, where you can connect with people who share your values. That's, that's the big question. Anytime you're doing yeah. this. And so, you know, I was fortunate, um, but it was uh, it, it's been a wild ride um, and it's been, it's been a lot of fun, but it's yeah. Uh, never in a million years. Do you think? Yeah. Oh yeah. I know what I'm going to do. Is uh, it more hours or less hours? Than oh, it's definitely a, a healthier work. <laughs> uh, but you know, it's, it's funny when you're working on election, there's like an end point, right? Right. If right. you know, on election day, yep. any, any door that you didn't knock on any, whatever that didn't get done. Well, there's next election. Right. With us, right. it's just like <laughs> constant, you know, and so I, we, we have to have this conversation with our staff, with our volunteers of like, listen, the work is going to be there tomorrow. Yeah. You know, yes, we're dealing with important things. Yes, so many of the issues that we're working on can be literally life and death for people. If whether or not they have, you know, access to healthcare that, you know, they're not being discriminated against on the basis of someone else's religion, or right. if they're being, if they're going through the criminal justice system and they're and they were, you know, sentenced to uh, rehabilitation programs because they had because it was a drug offense or something, mm -hmm. and they're sentenced to a twelve-stepping program, and they are not religious, and so twelve-stepping will not work for them. It's the difference between them going back to jail or having a successful uh, successful intervention on substance abuse challenges. Like we're dealing with real stuff here for people, mm -hmm. yeah. um, but the problem is, I mean, the problem is going to be still be there tomorrow. We got to keep fighting, but. You can't do that when you're burned out. You can't do that yep. when right. you're just running on fumes constantly. Right. We have to balance that, you know? Mm -hmm. And and so I, I try to remind people of the urgency, but at the same time, the urgency of taking care of yourself, because mm -hmm. if you're if you're not, nobody else is gonna do it. You know, exactly. we have to take right. care of we have to take care of ourselves or take care of our people. Yes. Um, Mental health so, is very important. <laughs> yeah. And so, you know, we we try to we try to strike that balance. But you know, if you talk to members of my board, if you talk to the chair of our board. She will tell you that she has to remind me always like, you know, hey, I, I noticed that you haven't taken a vacation in like three years. You should probably take a vacation. Uh, and so I have tried to be more intentional about that in the last year or so. Right. Uh, awesome. Succeeding a little bit, doing better, but it, 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 it's, tough. it's tough. Yeah. It's tough yeah. for us. So, yeah. <laughs> the world is on fire and, you know, sometimes. <laughs> yeah. You know. <laughs> Yeah. And so I have, to, I have to walk the walk. I have to listen to my own advice and I'm not great at it sometimes. So, yeah. Oh, well. <laughs> it happens. It happens. Yeah. So what's a bit, just think in a nutshell, of the history behind American Atheists as an organization? Hmm. I know it's been around for a long ass time. Yeah. Uh, actually, next year is 60 years. What? Um, what? 19, 1963. Okay. So American Atheists was founded in 1963 by Madeline Murray O'Hare. Um, you know, historic figure within our community, outspoken woman, atheist. She nice. was sort of had the, uh, the, the title as the most hated woman in America because the case that she brought in the Supreme Court that was eventually consolidated into uh, a case called Abington versus Shemp, which is the decision that said that mandatory Bible readings in public schools were unconstitutional. Uh. Um, her case, her case was Murray versus Curlett, okay. um, Madeline Murray O'Hare. And so, 
she the cases were consolidated sort of two different you know people brought the same case around the same time same issue at the same time argued at the same time decision came down abington versus shemp was what they ended up naming it after it's fine Mm -hmm. uh but so american atheist was created in sort of the wake of that and so we've been working on these issues for almost 60 years now um you know sort of in in kind of different configurations over time i mean we we've had in the past we had um, a, a big network of state chapters and we had, you know, Madeline did a lot of um, lawsuits and, and things like that. Mm-hmm. Nowadays, we, we're, we're a little less convinced that uh, the, the legal system is going to save us, <laughs> that the legal system is the best way forward for us to uh, advocate for our rights. So we've been working a lot on state level policy. Um, That's fantastic. So you'll, you'll see us working in all 50 states. Um, obviously, a few states where we think we can really make a big difference where that we, we prioritize, but we're excited and able to work in all 50 states. And we have volunteers in all 50 states. We have affiliate groups, uh, more than 250 local community groups that are affiliated with us, where we don't tell them what to do, but we try to give them resources to be effective, mm-hmm. help them be the best groups that they can, and also hope that they'll help us engage in the local activism and the state-level activism that needs to happen um, to pass laws, to, to engage in the political process. Because as atheists, as non-religious people, we're no longer, you know, this tiny speck of the population, you know, atheists, atheists are maybe 10% of the population, depending on how you ask the question, somewhere Mm -hmm. between six and 10%, depending on how you ask non-religious people are as many as, as much as a third of the population and even more among young people. And so, you know, there's, there's this tremendous power here that we are working, that we want to mobilize, that we need to like show, this is how we can actually accomplish something here. We, we, we can build a better political system um, that is responsive to our concerns as non-religious people. Um, and there's a lot of overlap in our values. You know, we, mm-hmm. we always sort of say, you know, organizing atheists is like herding cats. Um, you know, atheists only agree on one thing, that mm-hmm. there is no God. But it's actually, that's actually not fully true. Yes, it, the only thing all atheists agree on is that. But when you ask atheists where they stand on any number of important issues of the day, the overwhelming majority of atheists, something more than 90% of atheists believe that abortion should be safe and accessible and legal in all or most cases, period. Mm -hmm. Uh, We're the single most supportive of abortion access of all religious demographics. We're the first or second most supportive of LGBTQ equality of, you know, protecting civil rights for LGBTQ people. We're hugely supportive of voting rights, yes. making sure that everybody yes. has the ability to go out there and have their voice heard, to have, a, again, a political system that's actually responsive to us, right? Because again, <laughs> if, if this is the one life we have to live, how do we organize our society in such a way to reflect that? Well, by right. having a small L liberal democracy where people's civil rights are protected, but where the people can be heard and we're not, you know, sort of captured by the, by, rabid ideologues or special mm-hmm. interests or, you know, rich people who can buy an election yeah. where we're, where we're, we're being heard. It's the only way that this works. And so, you know, that's the sort of stuff that we want our people to get involved in, but we want the tools to be translatable to whatever it is that people are passionate about. I, I always, I use the example, you know, if you, if, if you think for one second that the local Catholic church, when, when they're getting together for their, for their, their church social or whatever, that if they're sitting around talking about, Oh, you know, we should go, go to the town uh, town council meeting. If you think that they're questioning for one second, whether or not the Catholic church has a position on tax rates, you're out of your mind. They don't care. <laughs> but they still go to those meetings and say, Hey, I'm 
bill and I'm from the local Catholic church, we don't want our property taxes going up <laughs> because it's all it is, is it's showing that the Catholic church is involved and engaged in the community. So if you care about an issue, it's an atheist issue, right? If you care about transit, if you care about making sure that people have access to buses, mm -hmm. if you want to make sure that there's a bus stop in your community, that people have access to get into the city center that can't because, you know, they didn't build a bus stop there. If you care about it and you're an atheist, transit is now an atheist issue. And we're going to give you tools to help you organize around that, to find ways to get involved, to find partners, to find people who are going to help you and be, and to find, help you be helpful yeah. for, for mm -hmm. people that are already working on it. And it all, what that does is it reduces the stigma associated with atheists. It shows that we're engaged in our communities. It, it, it really you know, cuts against the pre preconception that people have about atheists, that the only issue we care about is if there's a cross on public land or something. Right. Mm. We did a survey of atheists. Crosses on public land were literally the least important thing on people's minds. The most important things on people's minds, public schools, public mm. education, healthcare, making yes. sure that LGBT yep. LGBTQ people are not being discriminated against, abortion yes. access, medically accurate sex ed, <laughs> death and die, death and dignity, like all of yep. these issues that people care about far more than a, a Ten Commandment monument. Not that a Ten Commandment monument is good, right. but where should we spend our time and effort on things that actually help people's lives? And so yes. making people, making sure people can get involved, that's what we're all about. So, yeah, and, uh, and we have, um, as far as I know, that public schools are able to obtain some sort of funding from, I'm sorry, no, Christian schools are able to get funding. What am I, what the fuck am I saying, Mel? <laughs> <laughs> I got Supreme Court, the Supreme Court just. No, no, the Supreme Court is allowing uh, religious uh, schools to get funding that public right. schools normally get. That's what I'm trying right. to say. Yeah. Sorry. No. So, <laughs> what the fuck's up with that? <laughs> Again, this, this goes back to the idea that the court is not going to save us. The court is uh, out of its mind. We have no yes. idea what's going on. Um, the court said a few years ago, no, listen, it's okay if states want to fund mm. religious schools, they can, mm. but they're not required to. Okay. Then they turned around this year and said, no, no, no. Actually, states are required to fund religious schools. What? Even if uh, they, you can't say, no, no, we don't fund religious schools. And and previously they had said you can fund religious schools, but you don't have to fund religious indoctrination into like you can fund a religious school as long as it's offering mostly a secular education. So like most mm. Catholic schools will will have like, oh, we do teach math, we do teach, you know, English, we do teach yeah. history, you know, whatever. But we're not going to fund the like religious indoctrination portion of things. Fine. That's what the court said before. Mm. Now they're saying even those rules are too discriminatory, that they show animus to religion. And it's like, no, no, they don't. And so the state of Maine uh, had a program because the state of Maine is very rural, but also, you know, there, there aren't a ton of people in Maine. Mm. And so there aren't always enough young kids to support an entire school district mm. and like all the infrastructure that a school district needs. And so the state of Maine said, listen, we're going to provide money grants essentially two kids to go to a private school mm -hmm. as long as it meets certain requirements it has to teach a, a, a secular public education uh, it has to have an experience akin to a secular public education and it can't discriminate no problem well some parents said wait a second we want to send our kids 
to discriminatory Christian schools. And these are schools that said, you know, that had policies that, that they required their teachers and all their students to adhere to that said that, you know, being gay is, is disordered, that, you know, something, something biological gender or something, something, mm-hmm. you know, that sort yeah. of thing. Right. And the schools, by the way, never said, oh, we want this money. It was entirely the parents saying, we want to try to send our kids to this, to these schools. And so like they shouldn't have had standing in the first place. It's just like the, the court bent over backwards mm-hmm. to, to hear this case and to decide it when they shouldn't have in the first place. So now what Maine has done is say, okay, fine. We will fund any school with this program. However, you cannot discriminate against LGBT people. So the schools once again are like, oh, yeah, oh. we don't want the money because we still want to be able to discriminate. Uh, yeah. Oh my God. So, oh, so who knows? So we could be back in the situation in another five years when oh, you know crazy when, when Justice Sotomayor has been replaced with you know Supreme Court Justice mm. I don't know uh, Sean Hannity or something. <laughs> and, <laughs> and and, and oh. where they're big. Oh no, you can't you can't require non discrimination rules either because that's targeting religion or something. Oh, so that was one. Oh, the God. other one this year was the the Kennedy versus Bremerton case where a football coach led yeah. his players mm. in, in visible public coercive prayer at the 50-yard line. Yep. And Justice Gorsuch, in his decision, saying that it was okay for the coach to do this, just oh, yeah. lied, just made up facts that have no reflection of the actual record. The Again, the uncontroverted record is that students felt coerced, that they mm. were coerced, that the coach asked students to go get like the other team mm-hmm. to come pray with them. Mm. And Justice Gorsuch, in his introduction to his decision, says – Something like Joseph Kennedy was fired from his job for brief, pub, or for brief private prayer. Something like oh shit! It's like literally every word of that is a lie, other than the dude's name. Right? <laughs> he wasn't fired. He was put on leave, and then he chose not to reapply, and then he moved across the entire country. God damn it! It wasn't private. It wasn't brief. Like it turned into a mob house, mob scene. There were like people rushing the field, knocking players over. Members of the marching band got like pushed aside no. because no. community no. members no. were like rushing the field. Like it's just they make up facts <sighs> to rule the way they want, and they wonder why no one trusts them anymore. And then they go, you know, Justice Alito rule, wrote this decision, terrible decision in Dobbs, the abortion case, mm. and then takes a victory lap, literally at the Vatican or with a bunch of people at the Vatican. I don't know if it was at the Vatican, but it was in Italy with a bunch of Catholics, like just this angry rancid talk about how we're going to, we're going to, we really showed them, didn't we? You know, uh, it's religion. People, they think religion's on the decline, but we're standing strong. And it's like, I have a hard time imagining just the, the outrage. If justice Sotomayor, who, who isn't an atheist, by the way, came to our conference and was like, Man, we really stuck it to those religious idiots, didn't we? Like, could you imagine for one yeah. second? Yeah. And so it's just, it's baffling to me. It's absolutely bizarre. They just do it out in the open. They don't care anymore. Yeah, yeah, yeah. No, they're emboldened. Entire, they're absolutely yeah, they're, emboldened. No. They, they know that they have the power to do it, so they're going to do it. It's, it's entirely like a smash and grab at this point. Anything that isn't nailed down, any civil right that isn't nailed down is going to be overturned by this just out of control radical court. And so I, I think at this point, you know, our position is we support judicial reforms. We support mm. um, at American Atheists. We support the, a package of reforms that would require um, justices to be appointed every two years and then require mm. other ones to take senior status. Something to enhance accountability of this court, uh, yeah. because it, as it currently stands, it's unaccountable. It's it's out of control. It needs to be reined in. 
we need to do something here. And there right. are a lot of inventive solutions out there, but the status quo is not tenable because, you know, this court is just doing what it wants. So what do you think will be taken away next? Let's look at the checklist. Let's go down the checklist here. <laughs> yeah. I mean, I, I'm, I don't think things will be taken away in mm -hmm. the same way that Roe was taken away. Okay. I think what we're going to see are religious exemptions being added. So it's not mm. that the right doesn't exist in theory. Okay. It's that the right is inaccessible because we've created the system where religious exemptions undercut everyone's civil rights. Mm. And in this country, we've made it so that so much of our social safety net has been farmed out to private nonprofits, usually religious in nature. Mm -hmm. And we're creating a system where those entities that we've entrusted with things like making sure that the hungry are fed, making sure that people experiencing homelessness have a place to stay, right. uh, making sure that adopted kids like me, foster kids that are in the system, make sure that they can get a loving home. We've given that over to all these religious entities. I mean, we've even done it with healthcare, mm -hmm. where something like it's like a, a quarter or 20% ish of our nation's hospital beds are in religiously affiliated hospitals. Yep. And 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 so what we've done is say, oh, it's great that they're providing this. Oh, by the way, even though they're providing these essential benefits for all of society, they don't have to play by the rules. Mm. They're not required to treat everyone fairly. They're not required to treat everybody with dignity. They're not even required to tell you that they don't provide all of the services. Whoa. So like you walk in, if you walk into a Catholic hospital, and you're experiencing a miscarriage, or you're starting to experience a miscarriage, experiencing a difficult pregnancy, and they do an ultrasound, and they say, listen, you're the, the child, your wanted pregnancy, this pregnancy that you wanted, has a birth defect that is incompatible with life, mm -hmm. right? However, you need to continue carrying this because you need to continue carrying this child, carrying this fetus, because uh, that's just what you need to do. They're not going to tell you, we would normal, what they should tell you is, as a doctor, I would normally recommend that you get an abortion. Yeah. You terminate this pregnancy because it's going to have detrimental effects on your health very soon. Right. What they, what they don't do is say, I would normally recommend that. However, at this hospital, we can't do that. They just say nothing. Wow. Isn't that like some sort of like medical malpractice or like It's It's certainly something? a violation of informed consent. It's difficult, mm. like a patient can't truly give informed consent about decisions related to their health if they don't know all the options. And that, that's right. a great point. So, so right. we're working on legislation that would require these hospitals to disclose any hospital, not just religious hospitals, mm. any hospital that doesn't perform medical procedures that would be medically indicated, but they don't perform it for some non-medical reason. They need mm. to disclose that they don't provide it at the time of service before anybody checks into the hospital. They need to tell, you know, the state regulation board that they don't provide this and they need to tell patients that they don't provide this and that it mm -hmm. is an option if they go somewhere else. Right. Right. Because people need to know. I mean, if, right. if, yeah. you're, if you're like, okay, this, this child that I wanted <laughs> is not compatible with life. I'm, I, I is never, go, I'm never going to have a child here. Right. Mm -hmm. What does, and, and you can either wait until you start experiencing sepsis, but you're not yet. You can carry, Fuck. You can carry, I mean, and this was a woman in, in Louisiana was literally put through this decision. And she said, I was forced to essentially, they were telling me I was going to be forced to carry my child, birth my child so that I could bury my child. Like that's the monstrous effects 
that are entirely predictable of what Justice Alito and the Supreme Court did with the Stobbs decision and yep. what lawmakers who have passed these terrible laws that say life begins at conception and we're going to ban abortion after five minutes, you know, whatever. Right. That's what that's the obvious effect. And they're and they're like pretending that they never they didn't consider this. I mean, come on. And so, you yeah. know, we need to be upfront. We need to like tell people, listen, this this is what's going on. This is monstrous. We need to call it out and we need to force them to like to, to grapple with the effects of what they've created. They've never had to do that. They've been able to pass these bills, right. these completely made up bills. They're not like, you know, they, they didn't have any effects because the Supreme Court had Roe versus Wade in effect. You know, yeah. they, they weren't, it was entirely messaging. It, they, they don't view, they didn't view policymaking as making policy. They viewed it as, oh, let me use this as a messaging bill, right? Right. No, like these are people's lives. We need yeah. to take policy seriously. And if you're not willing right. to do that, then get, get out of government. Yeah. Get get out of here with that. If you're not willing to use the law to make people's lives better, if you're just doing it to like make a point, right. then that's not then you're you're not qualified to be a lawmaker. Get out of right. here. We'll, we'll bring in some serious people to deal with this. And so, this is something that American atheists is currently working on. Um, yeah, absolutely, okay. absolutely. And so, you know, I, I think that those medical, those religious exemptions, those religious carve outs, where you know somebody, a pharmacist right now is suing Walgreens or CVS, one of the two, because she refused to pre to prescribe Plan B because she believes it's an abortifacient. Oh, it's like God. if you don't, if you can't do your job, get a different job. Right. right? You know what the fuck. You you're not. It's not yeah. your decision about if this person is worthy of right. Plan B. Her this this person's doctor prescribed it. Shut up and write and hand them the pills. That's all you're doing. Literally. Is you're handing them a thing from over here on this shelf across the window that's it like that's let them doing. do it shit yeah let <laughs> them know? come back i don't we, care we come back here for like two seconds if you're not willing to do the job get a different job Holy and so wow. those religious exemptions are going to be the thing that where it's like this patchwork where you don't know if you walk into some restaurant or any public service any public accommodation mm -hmm. i mean because that's what's that's what's next is public accommodations the idea that if you're open to the public, you have to serve the whole public. You don't get to pick and choose yeah. which parts of the public you pick because you don't approve of them. And we're seeing it especially targeted at LGBTQ people, especially targeted at trans people. Right. Like we're going to see more and more of that. Mm -hmm. um, and, and that's really dangerous because, you know, I don't think any of us should worry about if we walk into a restaurant, are they going to be like, oh, excuse me, uh, sir, we saw you with your husband. We don't serve your kind here. Right. Like. I mean, they're, they're making the yeah. argument, oh, it's artistic. Well, restaurants, I've been to some really fancy restaurants that, you know, put art on a plate, you know, like right, I, right. I've, I've, I've enjoyed some rest some good restaurants in my time. Okay. Like <laughs> it's art, but they don't get to turn people away. And, and right. so it's just, that's what we're, that's what we're staring down the barrel of right now is, is this idea that it's like all this balkanized stuff where mm -hmm. people, you never know what rights you have until you try to exercise them. Which is means, which means, crazy. Which means you have no right at all. So, yeah. <laughs> I hate it here. Yeah, well, it's you know, and it's based it's based on it's based going to be based on your zip code. It's going to be based on you know your state, and then even within states, oh, some elected official said something mildly critical of religion once, and so now all of these laws that protect civil rights are suspect because which you were you had an animus against religion. Like that's where we're headed. It's not so much the idea that like, oh, we're going to ban gay marriage. It's right. we're, we're going to create all these carve outs, which means that even if you can get married, you can't actually exercise your rights. So, so this is kinda, oh, I'm just ahead. a ray of sunshine here today. <laughs> <laughs> 
Um, I was just going to like, do you know of any atheist um, politicians that are currently like in Congress or mm -hmm. there, there are atheists? Okay. Yeah. Okay. So uh, Jared, Jared Huffman uh, from okay. California is okay. the only openly non-theist member of Congress. He doesn't use the word. Right. I, I don't think he uses the word atheist. I think he prefers agnostic. Okay. Um, he prefer, he's the, he's the uh, co-chair of the Congressional Free Thought Caucus, but just a tremendous ally. He spoke at our conference last uh, in two years ago, our, our last virtual conference. Awesome. Really great guy, really good lawmaker, and just a genuinely nice human being. Um, really great, strong, progressive leader. Check him out. Um, yes. American Atheist is a 501c3. We don't endorse candidates. Of course. Right, 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 right. Uh, but Jared Huffman is, is a good guy, and we've worked with him a lot on a lot of policy issues in the past, and we see eye to eye on, on a whole host of issues. But there are a ton of, there are, I think they're up to like 15 or 16 members of the, of the Congressional Free Thought Caucus now. Okay. Um, hmm. Almost almost 20. I mean, they've got some really, really good people in there. Jamie Raskin from, from Maryland, who a lot of people have been following because of the, the January 6th commission. Hmm. Um, you know, Sean Kasten uh, is, is there from Illinois. Um, uh, uh, Dan Kildee from Michigan, my home state of Michigan, um, and then Pramila Jayapal, who is the the co-chair or the chair of the Congressional um, Progressive Caucus, is actually in the Free Thought Caucus. So we have all these really great people. Um, they, they do really great work. You know, follow them. You know, they're not all atheists, certainly. Um, I, again, only Jared Huffman is openly non-religious. I don't know the views of, of the rest. I, I haven't asked them. Right. They don't, we don't do a card check. Right, uh, but, right, but, right. They, but they're on our side on church state issues, which when you're talking about members of the Congress, that's all we're, that's all we want. That's all we ask. Yeah. We're, we're not. It's great when there are non-religious members of Congress, non-religious uh, folks in elected office. And there are a ton at the state level, by the way, to point mm. that out in Arizona. Yeah. There's state, state Senator Juan Mendez, state representative Athena Solomon, really great people, both from the same uh, legislative district in Arizona, really strong leaders for our community. They're awesome. Um, there, there's, uh, folks at all levels of government, city, state, town, school board. We had some of them speak at our, at our last conference. Um, I'm sure um, you guys may have met some of them, uh, but they're all over oh. the place because I mean, as people our age start running for Congress, mm. start running for elected office, we're talking about like half of our people, right. Are, are, and, and atheists and non-religious people are hugely engaged in activism and in, in politics. We, we really care about the direction of our country. Um, and so, of course, it makes sense that, you know, and it's it's not a political liability anymore. People mm -hmm. care about issues. They don't care about religious identity um, nearly as much as they used to. Right. Right. When it comes to separation of church and state, you don't really have to be atheist to, to even no. care about that. Right. Like um, Americans United. Right. The, not, not an atheist a, organization. Yep. Exactly. Something has like atheist this. employees, has lots of atheist members. But right. Uh, the, the the president and CEO Rachel is is Jewish. She used to work for uh, a sure. Jewish organization. Right. They have they have lots of Catholic people who work there. They have lots of um, one of our closest allies in the fight is the Baptist Joint Committee for Religious Liberty. Um, the, the the Baptist Joint Committee is approaches church state separation from mm -hmm. a religious angle because mm -hmm. they know that the moment you start mixing religion with politics, religion church with state, it undercuts and jeopardizes both sides. Mm -hmm. It undercuts religious freedom and it undercuts the credibility and the legitimacy of government. Exactly. And, and so they're, they're, they're right there with us. Catholics for choice. I mean, the interfaith Alliance, I mean, you know, religious people are often our strongest allies in these fights because they know what happens when church and state get mixed. Horrible, horrible things. <laughs> Understatement. <laughs> yeah. Gross. So I want to briefly touch on the topic of white Christian nationalism. I, I, we hear a lot. We know it's a threat, but 
So what is Christian nationalism, if you don't mind? Like, what is, from your perspective, a definition of white Christian nationalism? Yeah, so to be clear, Christian nationalism is not just a, like a conservative interpretation of Christianity. What it is fundamentally is a political ideology that posits that Christians have a right to rule. It's, it, mm. it creates this revisionist history that says that the founders of our nation were devout Christians who secretly intended to create a Christian nation, mm. but they just neglected to include it in the Constitution. Oops! <laughs> Oopsie poopsie. Oopsie daisy. Yeah. White you out, know. you know. Like. Yeah. Despite <laughs> the fact that the First Amendment literally conflicts with all of, with the Ten Commandments, doesn't matter, you know, whatever. Yeah, yeah. So they, they make up a history. They, they just make it up. It, it's it's entirely Christians BS. making up shit? What? I, I for one. Never heard of it. <laughs> I mean, when you go back to the era of Western expansion, you know, you got Manifest, Manifest Destiny. Destiny. Oh, yeah, there totally, baby, yeah. But so they these people reject the idea that church and state were ever separate. Mm. And if they are now, they shouldn't be. So it's like a restoration of the true history of America, which to them is that this is a Christian nation led by Christians where Christianity, specifically their version of Christianity, of course. is entitled to all sorts of special deference, all sorts of, sorts of special treatment. There's, um, there's a guy named George Grant who uh, was... Uh, ran the Coral Ridge Ministries. And he wrote in a book called The Change in the Guard. And I read this to you because I think it's really important. Mm -hmm. He said, quote, Christians have an obligation, a mandate, a commission, a holy responsibility to reclaim the land for Jesus Christ, oh. to have dominion in civil structures, just as in every aspect of life and godliness. But it is dominion we are after, not just a voice. It's dominion we're after, not just influence. It's dominion we're after, not just equal time. It's dominion we are after, world conquest. That's what Christ has commissioned us to accomplish. Right. Like that's them saying this out loud. And then <laughs> one of the other organizations. I hate involved it. In this, yeah, right. I, atrocious. Oh but like God. the Family Research Council, Alliance Ooh. Defending Freedom, first, like all these organizations are right at the front and center of Christian nationalism, white Christian nationalism. They really let the mask down the moment anyone else gets a chance to have an equal, equal time in the light. Right. So a few years ago, a Hindu priest offered Hindu cleric offered the first Hindu invocation before Congress. This uh, mm -hmm. I think it was in the maybe 2010. It was it was around the time Nancy Pelosi became speaker and mm -hmm. they wanted to make the they, they instituted the guest chaplain program. They brought in a Hindu. Um, and so what the Family Research Council said after this Hindu cleric gave an, inv an invocation, an invocation before Congress that basically just was like, hi, I'm a Hindu. <laughs> I. I have a, nice have a nice day. Have a nice day. I'm hoping that that Congress does a good job today. We're yeah. all da 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 da, da. like very yeah. ecumenical, whatever. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So what FRC said was, quote, while it's true that the United States was founded on the sacred principle of religious freedom for all, that liberty was never intended to exalt other religions to the level that Christianity holds in our nation's heritage. Our founders expected that Christianity <laughs> and no other religion would receive support from the government oh. as long as that support did not violate people's consciences and their right to worship. They would have found utterly incredible the idea that all religions, including paganism, be treated with equal deference. Hmm. That's so from the Family Research Council. There's exceptionalism belief, right? That they're the ones, they're the only one <sighs> yep. that should be respected. Yep. It's, it's an explicit linkage of yeah. Americanness with Christianity. That in order to be a good American, you have to be a Christian. And specifically, you have to be a white Christian. 
and and the religious and people are always like oh like why are, are why this you're going woke why are you like singling out white people and it's like mm-hmm. i'm not singling out white people there's a there's literally a difference between the and there's a, a strong uh like the science backs this up <laughs> there is a strong <laughs> difference between the views of even a nominally black christian narrative christian nationalist narrative and a white christian nationalist narrative yes. they're, they're very different things if you look at white evangelical christianity it is fundamentally different than black evangelical Christianity. Yes. We use evangelical Christian as shorthand to mean a certain political stance, not theologically anymore. And, and people are adopting the evangelical la- label, even if they themselves do not go out and evangelize. Right. Mm. And so all these labels are very complicated. They're very squishy. Like they change over time. Nothing is fixed uh, language. It's weird. But yeah. yes, when we talk about Christian nationalism, we're talking about white Christian nationalism because it's the same people that view that were in favor of segregation, mm. that were in favor of Jim Crow, yep. that were in favor of all of these, you know, horrible parade of horribles in the civil rights era. Yep. That's what we're talking about here. And that if you survey black folks, their support of a pluralistic democracy, of religious freedom for all, does not decrease with their religiosity. If you survey white Christians, not true. As they become more religious, they stop caring about democracy. <laughs> they, yep. stop, they stop caring about, you know, equal rights for all. They, they yep. stop believing that racism exists. Like mm-hmm. they, 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 they st- stop believing that voting is good, you know, like all these things. And so there is a fundamental difference here. And, and that mm-hmm. has to be reinforced that this is not just, you know, we're not just doing this because, oh, we hate white people or whatever. I know a I lot mean... of white people. Some of my closest friends are white people, right? Like... <laughs> so, so that's not it. I promise. But it's, it's literally, I love white friends. And, 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 and I'm half white, so I only hate half myself. <laughs> I mean, listen, Mel, if you only hate half yourself, you're way ahead of most of us. So, <laughs> you know, it's going around. But, but, like, this is important to know and the data back it up, okay? Like, this mm-hmm. is not just us pulling something out of nowhere to be mean to white people mm-hmm. right. this is literally the data. Okay. Mm-hmm. And if we're a community that cares about what the data says, then we should care about the, this data here that says right. that there's a difference between white Christianity, white evangelical Christianity and black evangelical Christianity. Yes. Yes. Okay. Holy it's shit. all fake news. It's all fake. By the way, it's not with <laughs> politics. It's not like, Oh, because black Christians went with Democrats. That's why right. you're being nice to them. No, it's that on issue by issue by issue, black Christianity is not predictive in the same way, issue by issue by issue, in the same way that white evangelical Christianity is, that white yeah. Christian nationalism is, mm. right? Mm. So important distinction. Thank you for pointing it out, Beth. Like, vitally important to make. Holy shit, I'm scared. <laughs> you should be. It's terrifying. Like, it's this so is, there's so much going on. And he just got a, a, a citizenship, so, I just got my know. citizenship, like... <laughs> Last month. Good timing. Good timing. Now this is I'm your like, problem. Why? This is, all, this is this your is, problem. Beth. This is on you to fix, man. This is your mess. Okay? <laughs> welcome. Welcome. Now go fix it. abortions for some tiny american flags for others (laughs) i have it but it's up on the shelf over there is it upside down still yes (laughs) that's a simpsons joke for anyone not okay damn it (laughs) kang and kodos when they you know take over the candidate bodies like abortions for all, boo! And like, okay. <laughs> abortions for abortions for none, boo! Uh, okay, abortions for some American ch- tiny American flags for others, yay! <laughs> so, 
God not, damn it. It's, it's a Treehouse of Horror episode. Tree, fucking, okay, all right, all right, yeah, yeah. era of The Simpsons. Fucking, I, I love The Simpsons. I, uh, it's, it's, it's my entire <laughs> cultural like reference cachet is entirely The Simpsons. So that's awesome. Again. I think my <laughs> humor is <laughs> entirely <laughs> like just Simpsons evolved. seasons like four through nine. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yep. 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 Absolutely. <laughs> So, yeah. Oh, God. So, a bit of a, I guess, silly question. Does religion have any place in government? <laughs> yeah, I mean, so, listen, this is one of those issues where people, like, expect the, like, no answer. The mm. fact is, people bring their whole selves to government. Mm. And it's impossible for us to ask people to fully, like, leave it at the door. Okay. But what we do need to ask them to do is to translate strictures of their religion so if they're saying listen i believe that the hungry should be taken care of the the, the homeless should be ho should be housed the hungry should be fed because i'm a christian good for you I, 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 we're, we're going to agree on the outcome there but you need to show your work you need right. to show you need to translate that into values that are accessible to all americans to americans of no, all faiths and none and if you can't do that you need to go back to the drawing board and figure out a better way to talk about this right President Obama talked about this in 2008 when he was when he gave a speech about his own faith. I, the, the, I encourage people to read it. It still holds up to this day. I refer to it all the time because it was such a perfect like distillation of this question of like he said he said I am a Christian. I believe that you know I, I, we find salvation through our Lord Jesus Christ. Like okay, I take his word for that, but Why? I know that not everyone believes that, and that I need to put everything into terms that are accessible to everyone because we live in a pluralistic, secular, liberal democracy, a democracy where everybody gets a vote, where everybody has a say in government and where government by the people means that it means all the people, right? It means that we're not just forcing one religious interpretation because the moment you do that, even if it's something that I agree with, even if it's on making sure people who are experiencing homelessness have a place to sleep at night, the moment you justify doing that exclusively because of your holy book, you're opening the door up to the Mike Pence's of the world mm. to yeah. say, oh, you know what's terrible? Gay people. You know mm. what's terrible? Abortion. And it's because this book says so. Yep. You know? The moment you do, you, you sign up for something or you sign on for something exclusively because of religious reasons, even if it's something I agree with, I'm going to call you out on it because we need to put this into yes. better. We need to have better arguments. We need to have better reasons than that. And it's not enough for me to be like, listen, I'm an atheist, therefore X, Y, and Z. That doesn't work either, right? And and really, we don't try that because there is no doctrine, there is no dogma of atheism. Right. But for secular, for humanism, there isn't really doctrine and dogma the same way. But eh, maybe there is, right. but, eh, whatever. But you still have to translate it into values, and you right. have to talk about values. And that's what we try to how we try to talk to our religious allies is like the theology stuff. We can leave to another day. We can talk about that over over beers tomorrow. Right now, we have really serious policy issues that we need to address in this country. Let's talk about our values. Do we want to make sure people have a place to sleep at night? Yes. Okay. Now let's talk about how to do that. Mm -hmm. Let's talk about the best ways to do that. Right. That's that's how policy making gets made. And by the way, if if you sincerely believe that something is being commanded by God, there can be no negotiation. There can be no give and take. Right. Policy making requires consensus building. It requires give and take. It, it mm. requires you to give ground sometimes. That's not possible when you believe that your orders are coming directly from God. And so yeah. that's where I kind of draw the line is 
I'm not going to tell you that you can't bring your faith to work because that's impossible. You can't like pull it out, you know, right. or you can't cut it off like that. Mm. But what I am going to tell you is make sure you're, you're framing it in ways that, that the rest of us can either agree or disagree on and that we can have a discussion. And I think that's the important thing. That's a fantastic answer. Yes. <laughs> so government as an entity, as an yeah. entity, should it lean towards secularism or more towards pluralism or should it be a balance? Listen, so there are, this is one of the things I've learned in working with my international colleagues is there are a whole lot of different ways to do secularism that look weird to us as Americans, right? Mm -hmm. So in France, right, you have laissez which is like, if you're a public official, if you're a public employee and you're working like at the post office and you're wearing a cross, can't do that. Yeah, Canada does it too. As far Canada as does some yeah. of the same thing because yeah. of the influence of French law. Right, right, right. Now, let's let's look at Germany. Germany has more of like the siloed thing where you can get recognized as an official religion in Germany and then you get tax dollars. From the German government hmm. to, to support your work, right? Same thing in uh, Norway. Norway has the same thing. In Norway, the humanist group is recognized as an official religion. Oh. Religious group. So hmm. they actually receive direct funding from the government. But all of the religious entities get the same thing. Or all the, the big religious groups get the same thing. Now, if, you, if you're trying to start up a brand new religion, that's really hard to do there. Because the government has to say official religion, not an official religion, official religion, not an official, like has to pick and choose. Mm. Here in the US, it's a little more like whatever, right? So you're telling me that Scientology is not all around the world. <laughs> I mean, Scientology has I mean, been banned in some countries, yeah. right? Good. Fuck Russia. Me. Russia. Ugh. Yeah. I've complicated thoughts about Scientology. Yes. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> about Scientology, the entity. But like mm. in, um, in Russia, uh, Jehovah's Witnesses were banned. Oh, oh, wow. Shit. Um, and so, like, they don't always get it right. And, you know, I, I think on balance, I, I, I like how the United States approaches religious pluralism. Mm -hmm. And but yes, there's there's a debate, a vibrant debate to be had about whether or not we go with strict separationism versus accommodationism versus pluralism and what that balance is. Separationism is certainly my preferred approach for obvious reasons, mm -hmm. but the courts seem to disagree right now. <laughs> and so it's a question of like, what is attainable for us to do right now? If, if for example, we're talking like all these in God we trust signs going up all over the place. Yeah. The problem with the like accommodationism or the pluralism thing of like, well, then everyone gets a sign is now like our public schools turn into these weird battlefields, these like theological battlefields where like, do we just dedicate an entire wall of our fifth grade classrooms to like all the 27 different posters of different versions of in God we trust. That seems weird yeah. to me. A little bit. Yeah. You know, <laughs> like it's a lot simpler to say, listen, we're going to stay neutral on these matters. We're not going to favor or disfavor anyone. Um, and I think it was, um, uh, Oh, it was justice. Um, what is her name? Uh, first female justice of the Supreme court. <laughs> I am completely spacing on her name. Three, three words. Was Beta uh, Ginsburg? No. No. Uh, Hold on. I got it. We got Sandra the Day O'Connor. There we go. Sandra Day O'Connor. Sandra Day O'Connor mm. said um, something along the lines of, for everyone who wants to renegotiate the bounds of, of separation of church and state, 
-hmm. They need to explain how that is going to be any better than what we have now when it has failed everywhere else or when it's become, you know, the source of bloodshed and strife everywhere else. Anyone who wants to renegotiate that line needs to grapple with that. Something to that effect in, 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 a, in, a, in a decision that she wrote uh, back in the 90s. Like, I, th- I think that's absolutely true. Our, our system has served us pretty well. Are there, does it have some warts? Yes. Can we improve it constantly? Yes. Yeah. That's called like living in a society that we never get everything completely right, that we always are striving yep. to make it better. That's how this works, right? It's like we evolve or something. Weird, right? Weird. And so, and so this idea of just like throwing it out and trying something else, I think people really need to be honest with themselves about the fact that that hasn't worked especially well in basically any other country. That, that, that we've done a pretty good job of allowing vibrant religious pluralism to flourish in the United States that we've not always, you know, lived up to our highest ideals on this. Mm. That we've not always gotten it right, but that we have that religion is doing pretty good in the U.S. compared to societies that embrace the state church. Like eighty percent of their people are now non-religious. So that sort of shows you what happens when when you embrace religion like that. When you when you mandate religion in that way. Mm. For us, right. this pluralistic approach, I think it works pretty well. Now we need to be do a better job as a society about be, being willing to have difficult conversations, to not give religion undue deference, to op- make sure that it's open to criticism, mm-hmm. to not like using being a person of faith as shorthand for being a good person. Mm-hmm. Yep. But those yep. are all social things. Those aren't things that we can legislate in. Those yep. are things that we have to have difficult conversations about as a society. That's not something for the government to like say, listen, everybody get in a room. We're going to talk about god stuff right now like no, I, don't, I don't want that i don't want the government doing that because i don't trust the government to do that you know like people are always like oh the government should do this and it's like do you remember that donald trump was president like five minutes ago right like do you really want donald trump to have that power no not especially do i really want you know a hypothetical uh tucker carlson presidency to have that power absolutely freaking not no and so th- that's why it falls on us as a society to have those conversations to, to talk like we are today yeah. How can we be better activists? So, number one is don't worry so much about the purity of purpose. Like, is this mm-hmm. truly an atheist issue? I don't care. Mm-hmm. It's an issue you care about. It's like I was saying, get out there and 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 work on it. Mm-hmm. Work on it as an atheist, work on it as an outspoken vocal person bringing your entire identity to bear right Mm -hmm. so if you are a black queer atheist woman Mm -hmm. and you care about i I, again i use transit as an example Mm -hmm. you should go be a black queer atheist woman working on transit issues and say hey i I have a bunch of friends who also want to work on this let's show up and let's do this together right Mm -hmm. and it it breaks down stereotypes and it it really elevates your position across all those identities and shows that yes i am a person out here who cares about this stuff and i and i want to fight about and i want to fight about it i want to i want to fight to make it better (laughs) Um, and so like that's that's number one is don't feel like you have to leave your atheism at home Mm -hmm. just like we're not asking religious people to leave their 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 religion at home don't leave your don't leave your atheist identity at home either Mm. go out there and be a proud outspoken atheist yes don't don't shy away from it, but work on the issues and find people who you agree with on those values, on the issues to work with. 
Mm-hmm. You set aside everything else for the most part to work on that issue. Okay. That's number one. Number two, to be a better activist is just do the thing. I think we, we as a community are often kind of in our heads about, is this the best way? And so we need to have a meeting to have the meeting, right? You have a meeting, yeah. plan the meeting yeah. and then we have a meeting and, um, and then it's suddenly like six months later. Right. Sam McGuire, who's American Atheist National Field Director, uh, she's a great activist. She does great work and she is a phenomenal activist uh, and an activist teacher. She always tells people like, forget the bullshit, just do the thing, mm-hmm. right? Just go do the there thing, <laughs> whatever it is. Just go do something and and don't feel like you're going to take on and don't like put it on yourself of like, I need to fix all of this right today. Mm-hmm. Find a measurable small bite you can take. Yes. Right? Don't start with, oh, I'm going to get Congress. I'm going to get the president to do X, Y, or Z. Right. Start with, I'm going to get my local neighborhood commission to fix this. Okay. Right. I'm going to talk to my school board and make sure that they know blah, blah, blah. Right. Mm-hmm. Start with something that you can build uh, a good coalition around that 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 maybe just nobody's thought of right mm-hmm. so like one one thing that we had a lot of people get started in was introducing making sure that their local school district was doing medically accurate sex ed mm. right because you're able to bring in the atheists you're able to bring in doctors you're able to bring in teachers you're able to bring in parents who aren't like off doing in crazy town doing whatever <laughs> with moms for liberty or whatever you're able to <laughs> And you're able to, by the way, give kids the truth and back it up with data Mm -hmm. that giving them medically accurate sex ed reduces instances of unwanted pregnancy, reduces Mm -hmm. instances of sexually transmitted infections. It reduces like all of these great things. And you can point to that and you can talk to people in values language, right? Like we believe that kids should be given facts. Yes. Mm -hmm. We believe that. We don't want kids having unwanted pregnancies, right? We be, we all believe, we all are, we all agree that kids shouldn't be, you know, engaging in risky behavior, right? Well, here's the way to reduce all of those things, to take mm-hmm. care of all those things is to make sure that they have accurate information in front of them. Totally. Right. And, and, and your school board in, in most states, in many states, school boards have the decision to make. States aren't don't meddle in this in most states, some states they do, but the school district has the decision to make. They can either bring in the 80 year old guy from the local ministry who wears his pants <laughs> up around his nipples and talks about <laughs> like and talks about you know the sin of fornication, yeah. or they can bring in somebody who is like a nurse practitioner to be like, listen, this is what a condom is. It works. You should use it. Right. <laughs> like, you know, this 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 is what this is what pregnancy is like. You know, if you don't want to have, if you don't want to be pregnant, here's, use a condom, right? Like, right. <laughs> here are the ways, here's how to get birth control if you want it, right? Here is all this information. And that that actually works and there's data to back up that it works. And like these school districts, for the most part, and, you know, right now it's a little bit wild, but for the most part, school districts have been able in the past to just like make these changes and no one cares because like, it's like, it's like five people that were elected by about 12, by about 12 voters, mm and no one pays attention to. Mm-hmm. And so, and if they're not willing to listen, you can run yourself, right? Mm-hmm. So it's find one thing that you can focus on. Find one thing that, that excites you, that excites people that you know, that you can all work on together, that you can hang out at your house and do like a phone baking party, or you can write postcards, or you can do whatever to, to work on. Measurable, small, 
and, I, and when I say small, I don't mean like has no impact. Like we're talking about kids' lives here, right? Like right. it's it's small in that it's geographically small. Attainable it's, as well. It's, it's attainable. It's a, yeah, mm-hmm. right. It's imminently right. attainable. Awesome. Awesome. Thank you so much. Man, it's you're been freaking so informative. This is like <laughs> I feel so smart today. This is the, today. The day. <laughs> I mean, listen, you guys, you guys have a platform to like inspire people to do stuff, right? Mm-hmm. And you do, and it's important. And being able to, like, I, I'm not a lawyer, right? I, I, like, I don't know. I, I'm not, but I'm not just making this up. This is like stuff that you can learn over time. Yeah. But anybody can do this stuff. Anybody can get involved. And this is this is like the key thing that we try to reinforce with to, to all of our members is it's not some Herculean task to go get involved, right? Mm-hmm. Just go do something. Go do the thing. Go meet with your member of Congress and tell your story. Mm-hmm. Right. Go meet with your state and local officials. Tell your story. We all have a compelling story. We all have experiences that really drive who we are mm-hmm. and that play into what's important to us because totally. they've affected us. Mm-hmm. So we, it, like, this is not hypothetical. Like when I go talk about adoption and foster care issues, it's not hypothetical to me. I'm adopted, right? Mm-hmm. My parents spent seven years waiting to get me, waiting to get any, any child, oh. not just me, okay. waiting to get a child. And it took them seven years and then they got a phone call and they were like, we have a, we have a kid for you. We need a decision by like tomorrow. Holy and then shit. You need to come pick this kid up in a week. Right. Like that's how fast. Wow. It oh. And, and I, so I see kids waiting in the foster care system for years. There are kids in the foster care system that are aging out every single day yes. in this country and religious foster care agencies and religious providers are saying that they would rather these kids stay in a system where they have no permanent house where they don't, they don't know what tomorrow is going to bring, where they don't know if they're going to have a forever family, mm-hmm. and that that's preferable to placing a child with an atheist or to placing a child with a, uh. with a gay couple, right? That that's better, that a kid living out of a garbage bag and being shuttled from group home to group home to foster right. home to whatever yep. is preferable to the possibility that they, are, they might be placed with a loving same-sex couple or a loving couple that disagrees with the agency mm. on religion, right? Fuck. That's what they're saying. That's explicitly what they're saying. Implicitly, but anyway. Pro-life, right? Hmm. Yeah, very much pro-life, clearly. <laughs> pro child oh, yeah, yeah. But like that, so uh, it's personal to me. Right. And it, it should be right. personal to all of us where like, I don't, you can walk into an adoption agency tomorrow and be turned away because you're the wrong religion. That is an abomination. Like you want to talk about abominations, moral, moral outrages. There's mm-hmm. one right there. And so it's personal to me and it's personal to millions of other people in this country. And I'm not, I'm not special in that way. Right. We all have some story that gives us a reason to stand up and fight. Okay. Mm-hmm. Yes. And whether it's that, whether it's if because of your religious identity, because of your, you're a member of the LGBTQ community. If you're, you know, a, a racial minority, if it's that you've had these experiences in social services or in any number of other, you know, whatever, you got a story to tell. That's the most powerful thing that we can do is be good storytellers. And that's yes. what actually changes minds. And yeah. so connecting that, providing community, providing opportunity for people to tell those stories like you guys do makes more of a difference than you know. Okay. And so I want to emphasize that. I want everybody that's listening to this to know that, that like, we're just, we're just people, right? Mm-hmm. right? But we've all got little things about us that make us unique. We've all got a story to tell. And if we're, if we go out there and just put ourselves out a little bit and be willing to be vulnerable, willing to tell that story, you can make a lot of change and you can make that change real close to home 
and then you can kind of build from there. And so that's what we're trying to do. This, there's no magic here, right? Mm -hmm. There is no, there's no secret sauce. This is all it is. Just people talking to people. If I pay more, can I get the secret sauce? <laughs> yeah, yeah. Well, okay. the, the secret sauce, it's, it's delicious. I'm not going to lie. <laughs> like, it's a nice, like, kind of smoky barbecue thing. A little bit, little bit of sweet. Little bit of bang. Bitches love barbecue. And, I'm, I'm, you know, a, and, I'm and, then, and, then, and then we mix it with mayo because the, I'm, I'm from the Midwest. So it's a little bit of mid, Midwest. Ranch dressing, okay. maybe. If you're, if you're Ranch, that. There. there you go. Yeah, yeah. Depends go. on which part of the Midwest. But yeah. That's my white half. <laughs> oh, my God. <laughs> Well, um, Nick, thank you so fucking much. Yeah, uh, this has been a fantastic interview, and we really appreciate your knowledge. And also, we appreciate the direction that American Atheist yes. is taking in, in embracing inclusion and diversity. We totally saw that uh, when we were in April at the convention. It's, it's fantastic. So, doing the Lord's thank you. Work. Yeah, thank you for doing the Lord's work. And where can we find you? Well, you can find American Atheists at atheists.org. Um, or you can uh, follow us on the, the tweet machine at the American Atheist. No S at the end there. My own personal one is at Nicholas R. Fish, and I C H O L A S R. Fish, like the animal. R. Fish. Um, yep, that's me. Uh, and, you know, give us, give us a follow. Uh, sign up on our website for action alerts. We will let you know when something is in your area mm. that you can hop on, that you can, you can take some action on and get more involved. Awesome. Okay. Yeah. And we always want to give a shout out to our friends at Recovering from Religion, yes. Dr. Daryl Ray and mm. our friend Gail. Uh, they do a fantastic job at bringing uh, or having a community for those who are deconstructing, having a support system, and also connecting you to mental health resources through the Secular Therapy Project. They do a fantastic Absolutely. work. Uh, they have a hotline, 184-I-DOUBT-IT. What a cool... What a cool it. number. <laughs> Daryl and Gail are two of my favorite people. I've known, I I've known Gail. I love them. I've known oh. Gail for almost 15 years now. She oh, is wow. an amazing woman and one of my favorite, genuinely one of the nicest human beings in the world. Not, not, not that I'm besmirching, not that no, I'm no. besmirching <laughs> Gail. Gail's we just talked to her. But like Gail, her, yeah. Gail is, uh, she was an American atheist, atheist of the year. Uh, she's a tremendous person. I love Gail. She ran for office. She, she, I, yeah. I, I hope right. she told you she yeah. Ran yeah, for she office did. in deep, deep red Tennessee. Right. Yes. <laughs> and if she can do it there, anybody can do it anywhere. Uh, you know, I want to be her when I grow up. Absolutely. Like, I you just want goats now. Shut want up. Gold. Shut up. She's, she's so, <laughs> but yes. And, and yeah, she, she's a lovely person. She is. Uh, and everybody over at Recovering from Religion does great work. So, uh, they do. 100%. We wouldn't be the organization we are without our partners. Mm -hmm. uh, Recovering right. from Religion just being one of them. Uh, Fuck yeah. So, shout out to all of our allies and partners out there. Totally. And of course, we wanted to remind our listeners and our viewers that we do have a merch store. If you go to the description, there there's some. There's some fun stuff. <laughs> Go check it out. <laughs> you know, if you know, you know. Also, please don't forget to subscribe to our channel. Smash that like button. Hit the notification bell. So oh, no, you don't miss our new oh, episodes. No. <laughs> I gotta go. <laughs> <laughs> Millennials here is fine. <laughs> We're trending into Zoomerville. Oh, no. <laughs> I'm a geriatric millennial. I gotta I'm get out of here. A geriatric <laughs> millennial. I am. That's what, that's what they call us. Uh, oh, my God. Like mid-80s people. We're the geriatric millennials. Here. Oh my I was 87, God. so... Okay, I okay, so, so I, I'm older than you. All right, great. Yeah. Okay. 88. Okay, I'm older than both of you. <laughs> Listen, it is past my bedtime. That's I, am, <laughs> I need to turn in. I'll I'm, get your life alert. Don't worry. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Oh, oh my God. Right <laughs> that is me. <laughs> uh, so don't forget to leave us a 
a voice message. Nobody has done that. Anymore. I'm tired of saying this. Nobody wants to leave us a I'll voice leave message. a damn voice message. I'm going to call. I'm going to leave a voice message. Leave a spicy you. voice message. Yeah, it's <laughs> through it's through uh through Anchor. Anchor. Uh, yeah. Anchor.fm slash Bernie Eden 666. And you can leave us a rating on Spotify as well or on any of the platforms that you listen to us on. But you should be here on YouTube. I, like, come on. Uh, don't forget to follow us on the, the Twitter. Uh, it's The joint account is at Baffinmel666. Mine is at Maltrefitty. And his is at, uh, what's the, Baffinmel666. <laughs> <laughs> and of course, a big thank you to those who support us on Patreon yes. and through Anchor. If you like what we do, come on, give us 99 cents. What's that? Come on. Five give bucks. Tree six fitty. bucks. Yeah. Tree fitty. You, you might get a titty. A titty for I'm a fitty. Playing. I don't know. Chip it in. Chip it in. <laughs> <laughs> well, a big, a big thank you to our Patreons, patron, patrons, patrons, patrons on oh Patreon. <laughs> we got Ron H. Thank you, Ron. Thank you, Sabi and Evelyn and our friend Chico. We love Fucking you, Chico. Chico. God damn it, Chico. <laughs> we also want to thank our uh, supporters through Anchor. A big thank you to William N. and Robin M. Woo hoo! Woo hoo! Boom! Yeah. All right, you get a full dab. <laughs> The full dab. Okay. I, you get a sad dab. From me, okay, just gets worse and worse. Hold on, yeah. I can barely. I, 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 can, barely lift my... I can barely lift my hands. Wait, I need my Ben Gay. Hold on. Yeah, hold on. Oh my god. <laughs> Soon it's gonna be the the the, the thrower. Oh. Like... <laughs> T Rex dabbing. Oh, <laughs> I can't move my arms, so I can just T Rex dab. Wow. No. Can do here. Can do. All right. Well, thank you again so freaking much. Uh, we're going to wrap up this amazing episode of the yes. Burning Eden podcast. Here we Is are, normalizing one? atheism one what? story at a time. That should be a slogan. <laughs> Sounds good to me. I like it. Trademark. Trademark. <laughs> Trademark. Trademark. All right. That is what the Lord wants. Amen. Amen. <laughs>